Good evening. Thank you all for coming out tonight. Uh, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll be looking at verses 11 through 32 tonight. Beginning in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We want to look tonight at you might say the marks or the signs that we are maturing Christians. Most of us here are getting up there a little bit in years. Uh, maybe not a couple, but, but well, I know you're not. <laughs> but uh, we should be maturing as Christians. And we want to look at some of the characteristics just to make sure we're on track. And those of you who aren't quite there yet, I know you're going to get there. According to those first three verses that I read, uh, God gave the church spiritual leaders for the sole purpose of promoting spiritual growth within the body of Christ. And the reason for this is obvious. You need leaders. And the Bible is clear when it tells us that every Christian is essentially a baby when they're saved. When, when you come up out of the water, you're just beginning. And that's one of the reasons uh, it's called the new birth, because it is the beginning. And we read about this in John uh, chapter 3, verses 3 and verse 7. But just as every parent in the world is delighted when they see their children growing and maturing, we know that God is pleased when he sees his children making the transition from essentially babyhood into adulthood in a spiritual sense. And he wants us to move from the spiritual nursery to the spiritual battlefield. But this takes time. He wants us to leave uh, essentially the realm of milk to the realm of meat. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. Beginning verse 12. 1 John 2, verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So God's plan is for every one of his little children 
to all reach spiritual maturity. He just wants us to grow up, which is what we want for our children, right? And we strive for this daily, or at least we should. We all know that Jesus is our Savior, but we also know that perhaps we are far from that goal. But we know that there's a genuine desire in our heart to be all the Lord wants us to be. We know that our life is full of ups and downs, with struggles of the flesh and the spirit, because we're humans. We go through this. And we're not self-righteous. We're mature Christians here. We're not self-confident or self-reliant. We rely on God. But we want to grow. So, the verse that we have read contain information we need to make our t desire to grow a reality. So we're going to look at three areas tonight. Three ways, or three characteristics that we have. The characteristics, the first one, calm steadfastness. The second one, Clear separation, separation from the world. And the third one, we have Christ-like standards. So let's look a little bit at those three areas. So verses 14 through 16 in Ephesians chapter 4. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we know that as Christians we are not as maturing Christians we are not constantly being taken in by the false teaching of the world around us. And there's so many of those, aren't there? Just so many. The maturing believer is one who knows what they believe and why they believe it. They're spending time in the word of God and are not deceived by the lies, the tricks, and the traps of the enemy. We're also steadfast in our development. 
If we're a growing believer, we should have a deep attraction to the truth of God. We should constantly be adapting our lives to the teachings of the Bible. It doesn't just happen overnight, and it changes. We experience things as we go through the world. We take the time, and this is very important, we take the time to find out what God wants from our lives, and when we need to change something, we do it. We want it to line up with what God wants. And we do this because we know that obedience to the word of God produces genuine Christ-likeness, I guess that's a word, in our lives. And this is no different, is it, than how we want our children to turn out when they grow up. We want them to grow up in most cases to be just like mom and dad. And as Christians, we want to grow up to be just like Christ. So this is a steady thing. As we progress through life, we're going to strive for this. The other area, we need to be steadfast in our devotion. Just as our human bodies are knitted together in a wonderful way that only God could create, the body of Christ has been carefully compacted together, each member in the place that pleased the Lord. The growing believer needs to find his place in the body and fulfill that place to the best of their ability. And this was sort of follow on to Brother Wayne's sermon this morning. It's a sign of spiritual maturity that a believer does his or her best to carry out the assignments that they're given because these are from the Father above. So we need to remember this. When everyone participates and does what they need to do, what they've been assigned to do, things function more smoothly. The second area we wanted to look at clear separation. A maturing believer is easily identified because he or she is so different from the world around them. And that is really important. When you're on the workplace, when you're at school, wherever you are, if people know there's something different about you, eventually they're going to want to be, be just like you or come close to it. You're an ambassador for Christ, and that's the best way you can be if you go out into the world and behave yourself. They're separated from the world, from the works of darkness. Um, in verses 17 through 19, let's look at those. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, 
because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's pretty clear what he's stating there. So when a person receives Jesus as their savior, things have to change. It's not easy, is it? If it were easy, every, this building would be full, for one thing. But the reward is, makes it all worth it. But you can't, in a lot of cases, live the way you did. The lost man doesn't know where he is headed and he doesn't see the need to be different than he is. But we do. The maturing believer no longer lives in darkness. You might say that the lights have been turned on in his soul. That's a pleasant thing to think about, isn't it? The old manner of living is just not good enough anymore. Because we know where we're going and why we're here. There's a new desire to walk in the path that God lays out. Life has ceased being self-will and has become God's will. That's why the Bible identifies the Christian as a new creature in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And also, they're separated from a wall of darkness. Verses 20 through 24. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the believer has received a change of life that results in a change in his walk. We're called upon to put off once and for all the ways of the old man who's just growing worse day by day. Notice that in those verses, the word is corrupt. That's a present tense. And you can think of that. This is kind of a bad, bad thought. But think of a corpse that is lying around rotting in the sun. We don't want to be like that, do we? But our life on earth is very short. And it has similarities. So we're called upon to put on, once and for all, the new man who had been created in righteousness and holiness. So we've experienced a change of heart. And that is essentially a change in mind. A profound change in mind. And God puts a new desire within his children that makes them want to live differently than they used to live. 
And that's what makes it easier. The bottom line is that the maturing believer looks different, acts different, walks different, and thinks different than he ever did. Then finally, the third characteristic. Christ-like standards. Verses 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, Paul talks about the maturing Christian in their day-to-day -day walk, focusing primarily on how we act and how we react and how we interact with those around us and also with our fellow believers. And the emphasis should be removed from the word self to the word others. And the old man lives like he does because he's selfish. The baby Christian sometimes in the beginning lives like this, somewhat self-centered. But as they mature, they go away from this. And we have to nurture them to help them to get to this point. And another important thing, as maturing Christians, we have come to understand that the world is bigger than we are. And we care about the lives of others. And this is supposed to show in our relationship with others. And remember what Jesus said about his people. The single defining trait by which Jesus had said his people could be identified was that they would love one another. John 13, 35. And the maturing Christian has this figured out. So we need to all strive to be that way if we're not already. And the fact that you all are here tonight, I think indicates that you're very close to that. Instead of taking what belongs to another to satisfy our lust, and I don't think we have a problem with that, the believer is challenged to go to work so he can make money to help others. And the whole point here is that self ceases to be the great motor, motivator of life. Others grow in their importance to us. And that makes you feel good, doesn't it? You know, we're told it's more blessed to give than to receive. And 
And we all know that we feel much better when we're able to do that. And we have to be Christ-like in how we react. We can't be angry because when we get angry, I think we're sinning. So we're told not to do that. Or we'll get angry, but we gotta keep it inside ourselves a lot more than the world. So Satan knows that if we give him an inch, he'll soon become our ruler. You know, 12 inches. So, the verses tell us that we are often to refrain from trying to get even. We are to forgive because we've been forgiven. And we have to be Christ-like in how we interact it is better to be quiet and allow people to think you are a fool than to open your mouth and to remove all doubt. You've heard that one, right? I think there's a lot of truth in that. So in conclusion, when you were growing up, your parents possibly said to you, I wish you would grow up. And you know what they meant by that. They love you. They want you to act more mature. And I wonder if God ever looks at his church and says, I wish they would grow up. So think about those words. I think we're all Christians here. If you have any needs that you need to come before the church for prayers, please do so as we have the song of invitation.